0: Emperor, we come. it is we're back
1: we are back we are back
0: hello and welcome to season four episode seven number 45
1: of the fusion underground good god
0: i know 40 we haven't been
1: kicked off yet
0: yet the operative word being yet (laughs) (laughs) dum-dum-dum Here at the Fusion Underground, what we try to do is we try to make sense of the world by having principled discussions about such topics as entertainment, current events, politics, and culture. Our mission is to educate people to become critical thinkers so they can live more empowered and happier lives. As always, I'm your host, Manuel Ramirez, and I'm joined in the virtual studio by the man, the myth, the legend, my brother, Jason Moret. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm good, brother. <clears throat> you, you have no comment about my, my beer. Hazy? It's called, it's called Hazy. It's an IPA by four, four Peaks Brewing Company. Nice. There wasn't really a big selection at Fries, So this is the first beer that I have had. I can't tell you how long. Yeah?
1: And you went with an IPA, huh? Like four or five years. Well... <laughs> I haven't had a beer in four or five years, and you got an IPA. Okay, no, <laughs> you know, you know, i I
0: purchased the I purchased this. Uh, so I just got like a, a three, you know, because they have like singles, like little single. You can <laughs> add <laughs> fries, add fries. You ha- you can get just I, like a little six pack, and you can just put some single beers in there. And they have a whole fridge right there. And I just picked a couple and, and I, and I picked them the same way that I pick my wine. I sucker for marketing
1: and
0: and I wasn't really that impressed with the label.
1: Um, (laughs) Yeah. You're a walking oxymoron. I know, know I know. But this
0: was, this, this was probably the most um, eye-catching, probably one of about four eye-catching labels that was different. So I'm like, hmm, I haven't had that before. I didn't even notice that it said IPA on it when I bought it in my defense. Seriously, <laughs> I'm serious. I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't had a beer in, uh, I don't know, four or five years. I've been drinking wine for so long. I'm so sorry.
1: And, and I, I haven't it. had a beer in four or five days. I was actually just yeah. thinking about that. Speaking but which, well, I
0: bought this. I bought these a week ago. I bought them a week ago and I bought this that is... a week ago <laughs> and it it's empty. <laughs> I bought I bought three beers a week ago and this is and I, this is the first one that I've had that I've had. Um, and when I when I cracked it open and I took a drink, I thought, hmm, it tastes like flowers. It does taste like flowers and
1: sunshine. That's exactly what I look for in a beer. So I'm gonna run right out and grab that. <laughs> It's not bad. It's fine. It's good. It's, it's I, f- I Four I Peaks Brewing Company. They're, I like Four Peaks. I Four. really do like Four Peaks. They're Four good peaks.
0: They're a yep. local brewery here in Arizona. Yep. I recommend
1: them. Mm-hmm. Very good. I enjoy their their brews. I don't care for IPA. I never have. Um, I like a good Hefeweizen. I like a Franziskaner is very good. I like um a lager I like you know
0: I like those too yeah I like those too but you know what's funny is I I opened it and I I'm so I was so used to drinking wine that you know the very first thing I did you went to port
1: you smelled it
0: (laughs) did you did you take a drink and swish and spit no I just smelled it and I was like I was like beer never smells good like it just
1: doesn't to me it just doesn't smell good I'm not talking mm -hmm. to you anymore. And you know, it's funny. I'm glad you brought that up because I I never, I never did understand who actually goes into a supermarket and hand selects single beers to fill up into their little six pack. That would be a you guy because (laughs) if, if I don't need two hands carrying out my beer, then I didn't get the right selection. I just didn't do it. No, twenty four pack or bigger. That's you realize we're shot. like night and day, right? We're we're to, you yes. and I
0: like night and day, yes. yin and yin and yang.
1: The That's whole why this yards. works.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're buying a case of beer. I'm buying three beers that took me about. I bought three beers that took me probably fifteen minutes to select the three.
1: Because... It would take me fifteen minutes to go through three beers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's fine. God,
1: now you make me sound like a raging alcoholic. All right, I'm the one drinking a diet coke for crying yeah. out loud.
0: Well, because you drank your beer, it's it's empty. You already showed us the. I'm empty out of miles. beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, what are we talking about tonight?
1: Um, you wanted to talk about uh, discipline. Yeah, we're going to talk about temperance. Temperance. I, I can't use the word discipline without sounding like Cartman <laughs> from um, that South Park episode. You racked the discipline. <laughs> so I think it's better we use the term temperance.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my god!
1: You know, It's, it's a weird night.
0: It, 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 it feels, it's, it's a very weird night. It it feels weird. It just does. Maybe well, it's the
1: beer. I think it's probably well that's that's very weird for me to see you drinking yeah. the beer. Um yeah. it's weird for me. Well, and it's Monday night, so that's true. That's, that's a big part of it.
0: That's true. We didn't record last night on Sunday, our normal night, because uh, well, it was Valentine's Day. AKA statehood day
1: state statehood day yes oh
0: you uneducated swine it's yes i am i'm sorry (laughs) 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 february 14th was the day that's that
1: uh, uh, arizona became a state became a state i apologize i sorry <laughs> I actually forget February fourteenth exists because February thirteenth is all that usually is in my brain or matters for me. Because mm-hmm. that's happy, my happy. Uh, that's uh, my anniversary. anniversary. Yep. Yeah. By yep. the way, that I thought that was a real genius idea when I was younger, and that was a really stupid idea as I realize it now. Because <laughs> it makes it myself. two days worth of celebrating instead well, of one, and not only that, I mean. Pfft, you know i i can go get my wife uh you know a dozen roses speaking uh-huh. of fries you can uh-huh. i can get a dozen roses there for 10 bucks every other time of the year ten dollars right, right. a dozen roses right. you want a dozen roses 50 in bucks. Here or around yeah you're you're at least 30 bucks in right 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 well supply and demand demand yeah. goes up i know oh. love capitalism but yeah that's stupid Anybody out there in the sound of my voice, do (laughs) not do it. Stay away from Valentine's Day for an anniversary. Trust me, it's worth it. So let's talk about temperance. Okay, temperance. What
0: got me thinking about this is I had a couple of conversations over the weekend with with some friends of mine and talking about um, just human behavior, I guess. One particular... One particular conversation was about um, about men's behavior, what some might refer to as toxic mas- toxic masculinity. Okay. Um, we've talked about masculinity quite a bit on this show. A little bit. Mm-hmm. I like to think that our show is actually for other men, although we don't we don't say that in our opening in the in the opening uh, intro.
1: I like to think that our show offers an opportunity for perspective from a place of mutual understanding, which as to, we'll say middle-aged, unfortunately, whether we like to admit it or not, men. Mm -hmm. um, I think middle-aged men are probably more likely to seek similar like-minded perspective from that place. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I'm not going to say that we are geared towards men.
0: No, 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 no. I, I I think we have to have... I think our society needs more masculinity, not less, but it needs uh, a healthy masculinity. I and, think a and, better
1: understanding of what masculinity is, instead of understanding what masculinity is labeled as.
0: True, that's a good point because because typically, any behavior that a man exhibits gets gets labeled as masculinity, and so it's it's the. Um, you know, it's the chauvinistic type of behavior or, um, you know, the angry, the rage-induced guy that tends to get labeled as masculinity. And that's not what masculinity is.
1: Nope.
0: Agreed. <clears throat> um, but it, it got me to thinking about, um, about just self-discipline. I'm not talking about disciplining others. I, I, and I really don't want to talk about disciplining other people. Uh, because there's only certain situations in which uh, we can discipline other people. And that that's what we have to define that first. What, what, when is it acceptable to discipline somebody else, particularly if you're talking about adults disciplining other adults? And, and those are conversations that I don't really find them interesting. Um, I'm more interested in the self-discipline for, uh, for self-improvement.
1: Okay. Self-governance and temperance, I think, yeah, are yeah. where we need to stay focused then.
0: Yeah, because, you know, part of this ties into something that I was reading today. <clears throat> um, so I'm reading another book. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. That's shocking. Yeah, I'm about halfway through. Um, which means I'll finish in a day or two here. Tomorrow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> probably tomorrow maybe while I'm sitting (laughs) having coffee (laughs) um yeah but in that particular book it's really sort of the book is trying to deconstruct um society post-world war ii okay and the author makes us makes an argument that when we talk about things that have been just um standard in our society for a long time like masculine roles roles i'm not talking jobs i'm talking roles so masculine roles versus feminine roles um even roles for the for young versus middle-aged versus elderly you know everybody's got different roles to play at different points in their life and one of the arguments that they make is that that there's nothing wrong with those roles because those roles stabilize our society. They make the society predictable, but they also align to, you know, millions of years of evolution that has been taking place in our DNA and our, in our brains. I mean, there's a reason why these roles exist. They exist not because our society has said that men have to, perform one role versus women have to perform another role. Those roles exist because, well, we're, we're, we're creatures of nature. And as, as animals within the animal kingdom, we have, we have evolved into the roles that we have within that animal kingdom. And the reason why I bring that up is because there's a, there are a lot of people that say, well, why can't a, Nine-year-old boy dress up as a drag queen and have grown men uh, throw dollars at him. What's wrong with that? Why? Why is that bad? Um, if they're not doing anything illegal, we and we can have a whole argue, con, We can have a, a a debate on is it legal or not. But this is something that has happened. This is something that's happened within the last couple of years, where you had a you know, little a little boy who professes to be. Transgender dresses up, uh, you know, is a drag queen and participates in these drag queen um, competitions and and whatnot, and goes out there and shakes his moneymaker and men, predominantly gay men. In the uh, from what I understand, based on uh, the places where he does these things, where this young boy performs, uh, there are a lot of men who throw dollar bills at him that give him money that he's basically stripping in, in essence. I know it's not the same thing, right? I know I'm not trying to equate what he's doing to with what you know, happens at a strip club, not necessarily, but there are people that say, well, what's wrong with that? If that's something he wants to do, and if, nobody, if he's not getting hurt in the process physically, and you know, what's the harm? Why shouldn't that be acceptable? Or in other situations where you have, um, you know, high schools today have a predominantly high number of students who uh, who who have embraced this transgenderism, gender fluidity, whatever, um, and that's an abnorm- that's abnormal. That that's just simply that simply that's abnormal. I think it, I think a lot of it has to do with a with a cry for help, but. our our school environments have normalized this type of behavior. And I think, I understand that high school is a very trying place. I know people are trying to figure out who they are. Um, And when you mix that in with our current society, where if you're a victim, you can achieve power or certain types of privilege, we're going to be surprised when a predominant, predominant, um, or I should say a sizable amount of students in the, I'm, I'm talking many, some schools have as many as 20, 25% of their of their school population have now come out saying that they're transgender in some ways. You have a mix of boys and girls that are doing this. We've, we're normalizing this behavior for them to get privileged. They're not, they don't suffer gender dysphoria. I, I have a hard time believing that these students suffer from gender dysphoria, which is an actual psychological issue. I think this is more to do with attention. And <laughs> I'm watching you as I speak about all this, I'm, I talk I'm, about this and I'm, you're just like, you're flabbergasted. So let me just pause there. I know I've been talking for a little bit. I want to, I'm curious as your thoughts, but because I'm going somewhere with this with the whole temperance idea and this normalization of being counterculture for the sake of privilege, but go ahead. What, what are you thinking? I'm, I'm curious. I. <clears throat>
1: I don't know if I can um, formulate my disbelief into articulate thought at the moment, but i'll I'll, I'll try. Um, when we normalize behavior like this, um, we actually do damage to the development of our young the the development of our our youth, essentially. Um, When you are going through puberty, when you are going through adolescence, there is a great deal of personal self-discovery which happens. And there's a lot of self-doubt that happens in that process. Uh, And and any adult out there, if you remember, there was was a lot of things you weren't sure about what you liked, who you liked. Um, I don't think the vast majority of people, um, questioned their attraction to, you know, one sex or the other, but why you were attracted to, you know, certain things or certain people, those things naturally happen. Um, you start questioning whether, um, that's right, that's wrong or, or, what your preferences really are or should you experiment with other things in other places and and I'm not talking about just just a a, or not necessarily talking about a sexual nature I'm talking about all types of experiences I mean that's that's part of that natural discovery of who you are you and I had a discussion about this briefly uh, the other day Um, the first third of your life is actually trying to discover who you are as a person and formulate that. And in adolescence, there is so many changes happening on a metaphysical level with the human body that your mind is racing to try and keep up with all of those changes and quantify and compartmentalize all those individual parts of yourself. And so when you're trying to to sort through all that there's there is natural doubt there's natural confusion that you as an individual have to work through it's part of your development sure and if you suck or if you add to that with an idea that any sense of doubt is actually not only okay but you should be encouraged in that it actually instead of stabilizing your life you cause any sense of stability in there to to fluctuate and so now you're adding additional confusion to, honestly, a part of your life as we as human beings were naturally confused about a lot of stuff. And so it just opens up this whole other world of what the heck am I supposed to do? So you now you have people who have absolutely zero direction and nobody to help guide them because we're saying anything you feel is right. Don't be discouraged. Well, that's you, you want to encourage people to explore but have a basis of fundamental right and wrong that's that's essentially like saying you know if you feel like you suddenly have the urge to murder your neighbor well try that see if that's something you want to be in life don't be discouraged no you say okay whoa stop child me adult this is me telling you there is a boundary line of your conduct that you do not pass, you had a momentary thought. Okay, let's explore that. Why did that happen? You know, when you talk to someone, it, you when you get, especially in adolescence where hom- hormones are raging, emotions are firing, your synapses are firing like crazy, you can't keep up with all that. You know, it... it We've seen the, the outraged teenager that goes from zero to 60 to, you know, throwing a fit, storming out, blowing up over nothing. That's an expression of not only the hormones taking over, but also it's, it's an exaggeration of just anger and confusion and usually frustration. So as an adult, we go, okay, I understand that you're upset. Let's talk about why. And you go back to the root of why you're upset. Well, now this is the way you want to handle it. We're molding adolescents into how to become productive members of society as adults without giving them that basis and that boundary line of conduct we're basically saying it's okay for you to blow your top and get in your car and scream out of the parking lot and go off that's fine just because you were upset because a conversation didn't go your way with your bestie no that's not okay so to me, all of this gender confusion, there needs to be some sort of boundary lines that these, and our, our youth are actually wanting that. The idea of needing some sense of structure and stability in our lives, we talk about that with very young children as they develop, that doesn't go away. It, the need for that stays throughout our lives. Right now, as adults, if you and I lose structure and stability in our lives, we lose our job, lose our house oh my gosh, our whole world is turned upside down. That happens. We need that as human beings. So to put them in a situation where they are already going through chaos and then to add an acceptance of additional chaos onto that, it's absolutely disruptive to the development that is imperative, especially during adolescence.
0: Well, and, and we see that, you know, we see problems, I think, in masculinity, especially with young boys, because they're going through, let's face it, all of us who have been through high school, we know that going through high school is a difficult time. There, you're, there's a difficult time in trying to understand who you are coming into as your own person. Mm-hmm. You're You're thrust into this environment where you have a lot of other people and there are you know, there's popularity contests, there's all kinds of different sort of social jockeying for position. Um, and, And, but at the same time, adults are expecting that you act as an adult, but of course you're not permitted to completely act as an adult. So I get that it's a very difficult time. It's a very difficult time integrating and trying to find your place within, within the community. Um, Coupled, coupled that with, <clears throat> by the time young people are getting into high school, that's usually when they start learning more about the truth of whatever their family life is like. And let's face it, I don't think anybody, I, I think very few people would say that they have a perfect family life. Um, parents fighting, maybe parents divorced, or finding out that their mom is really their sister, um, or grandmother was really their mother, or weird things like that, right? What? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know I'm going off on a limb. Wow, but, but like, my, whoa. <laughs> my, my point being is once you get into your teenage years, that's usually when the veil comes over your eyes ab- about who your parents are, what they're like, that you start realizing that, oh, my parents are actual people. They're not these mythical figures that I knew when I was five. There's a transformation that happens. You start right. seeing your family, you start understanding the truths around your family, your family, you know, a lot of people keep things from their children in order to protect them. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, maybe they have an uncle who was uh, arrested and spent time in prison, but we don't tell little, little Jimmy that, but once Jimmy becomes 16, 17 year old Jimmy, well, now we can kind of tell him because now he's old enough to know. Right. So yep. that's what I'm talking about is the veil of even your own family starts to be lifted from your eyes. And, and so now it's like a lot of what you, a lot of your world, the truths of your world start to um, start to be challenged as you start learning more about them, particularly with a more div- or a more um, mature mindset a brain your brain is continuing to grow and to adapt in in its skull and now you think differently at 16 than you did at 8 right you right. think differently you see the world a little bit differently your mind still isn't your brain still hasn't completely formed it's still in the forming stage but a lot of those adult more adult-like thoughts are starting to form. And so you're able to comprehend things differently. And so it's a very difficult time. And we've talked about the lack of initiation rights. The you know, we don't have we don't take young boys and rip them away from their mothers like the tribes used to do, and say, You're gonna go through the initiation and you're gonna become a member of the tribe as a man now. You're now a man, and now there are male. There are man expectations of you going forward. We don't do that in our society. So it's very difficult for young people to really find out, well, am I adult or am I not? Am I a little kid still? They Everybody still kind of treats me like a little kid, but they expect me to be an adult, but they don't let me do anything. Like I get it, right? I, I think a lot of this sort of like just, it impacts a young mind and they, they kind of go crazy. They don't know how, how to behave. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Worse, worse yet is these kids are now maturing physically in their physiology and they're coming into manhood or womanhood. And, and and if they don't have anybody to guide them through that process, then it can be fraught with even more angst and confusion and everything. And now we have teachers who say, well, it doesn't matter as long as you live your truth, right? One of the, I, I just, I hate that as long as you live your truth. And, and so they're, they're normalizing craziness and, and kids are able to think, well, well, why can't I be crazy? Like yeah. this is, this is, you know, it's, it's my truth. It's my truth. And who but, are
1: you to tell me? I can't live my truth.
0: Exactly. And so yeah. what are we doing to these people? What are we doing to these, these young humans Right, that are getting ready to go out into the world and have a a, a root awakening. What are we doing for their own psychological and emotional development? L- listen to this. Listen to this clip. Um, it's about a minute in length, but I want you to hear her.
1: You're going to upset me, aren't you? Probably. Okay. Probably. I want you
0: to listen to what she says. Because most of what she says, I don't understand a damn thing she's saying. And, and I'm not I'm not saying that to be funny, but but listen to this.
2: I'm Cody. Pronouns E M ers or Z Zers or really any Neo pronouns that aren't Z her hers. This is my first foreign into TikTok. I come from the world of Instagram where I had decided at one point that I was going to micro vlog my gender transition, which might be the most pretentious thing I have ever said or tried to do. But I really just want to introduce myself and open myself up for questions. So, again, hi, I'm Cody. I am a white, transmasculine, femme, non-binary, temporarily, mostly able-bodied, neurodivergent, obsessive, compulsive, chronically ill, culturally Jewish, unitarian, universalist, non-monogamous, demi-low romantic, grey, demi-bisexual, survivor of acute and complex trauma, millennial, and cat-parent in mental health recovery. My identities are fluid and ever-changing and don't like boundaries. And I just want to open
1: what yeah um inappropriate um daughter speak what the french toast (laughs) what so (laughs) i think she called herself a cat parent um some sort of mental trauma which i can understand just by listening to that and also some sort of behavioral recoveries health recovery specialist. Yeah, My honey, you couldn't recover from a bad trip and fall. So she's clearly, a, she's
0: clearly a female. The voice is clearly uh, yeah. a female, and there's a yeah. video of her. I, I didn't share the video. I suppose I could, but I didn't share the video. Uh, and she's clearly presenting as as a young woman, but she's trying to be. Abort. I don't know what she's trying to be. She's trying to. Well, I don't know. I. I she, she said trans masculine. I think she when at
1: the beginning. Well, but she, she said she, her labels do not like boundaries,
0: right? As if they're right. living
1: entities themselves. But the but labels she, themselves actually have consciousness.
0: My my labels don't like boundaries, but I I'm full of labels and
1: boundaries. Yes. I, 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 so matter of her, fact, I've got so many yeah. labels that that makes me boundary less. No. I, I don't I think, understand. Or I don't yeah. If you so judge me, you're 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 a bad person.
0: Her her pronouns, the pronouns that she wants, E M air airs. So E, just E slash E M slash E I R slash E I R S. So how do you actually use those? So if I were talking about you, I would say he, uh-huh. he drank all of his beer. In this situation, I would say he drank all of air beers. That sounds very German. <laughs> right. Nobody just, can, nobody can use these. That's you the can't, problem. Well, and with you these can't things. keep up with all of us. You can't, I can't <laughs> use these. It, 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 there's no way that I'm going to slip in an EIR which is just the last part of the word there. T H E I R. It's the last part of it. It's the last part of there. I'm not going to th- try to. I'm, it's, it's a made up word. The other pronouns that she has are Z,
1: Zem, Zer, or Zers. We've so gone. Z- with, so either it's German or Zulu. From outer space, it's like Mork and Mindy type sh- stuff. Right, and then and then she says, or
0: really any any neo pronouns that aren't z her hers. She's it sounds like the normal feminine her hers when she says that at the end, but it's not h e r or h e r s. It's h i r h i r s. No,
1: this is this is just it's asinine. It's it's asinine, borderline retarded behavior. And and I, you know, the
0: the sad thing is is all I kept thinking about while I'm watching this. So I I've got her other labels here. She's white, transmasculine. Again, transmasculine, right there. She admit she's admitting that she was born female. Um, so she's white, transmasculine, non-binary. <sighs> Mostly able bodied. I don't understand what mostly is. She, she has a limp.
1: <laughs> Bad back. Yeah. Mostly. I'm mostly able bodied yeah. at this point in my life. Needs a new knee. <laughs> yeah. I, I can use, use a TKA here.
0: <laughs> well, actually, actually, she's it says she's temporarily mostly dis, mostly able bodied. I have no idea what that's supposed to mean. Neo-divergent. Neo-divergent. She thinks differently. She likes to think different. She likes to think that she thinks differently than other people. I don't know. Well, you know what? I think she
1: does. I can agree with this. Yes.
0: Obsessive-compulsive. Agreed. Chronically ill. Agreed. Culturally Jewish. I can't help you there.
1: I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Culturally Jewish.
0: Does that mean she's like, is that like saying I'm a non-practicing Catholic or something? No, I think
1: that's Jewish by marriage. Not by upbringing? I don't know. I don't know. That's all I I can think. She's practicing Jewish, but not by blood. No, I I don't think it has.
0: I think it's, I think it's like the, you know, non-practicing Christian. I think she's raised in a cult in a Jewish family that might celebrate oh, that Jewish holidays but just they don't go to temple. Yeah.
1: I don't actually or synagogue do anything, or whatever it is. Right. But right. I, I I still do my my Hanukkah. Yeah. 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 And kibbutzes and that's, stuff like that. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. And and and, and stuff.
0: Yeah. Unitarian Universalist. I don't know. I I don't know what that is. I think that's a type of religion actually. Okay. Non monogamous. She's, like why would you put gets, that? Why she gets you, around. Why? Why would you? Why would you accept that as a label? Like I don't understand the propensity to define yourself based on who you have sex with.
1: You wait. That's the part throwing you off about this whole thing. <laughs> no, you're going just, through all just, these labels, and you're going. Like, them. Why did she pick this label? I don't understand why people pick this label. Well, I don't understand the next two.
0: Because she says, uh, <laughs> "Demi low romantic." Demi low. Demi low romantic, all one word: D E M I L O W R O M A N T I C. Demi low romantic, or there, and plus the other label, gray demi bisexual. What
1: is that? I, 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 dude, I don't know. So, you're, you're talking to a guy who still believes, regardless, contrary to all this crap, that there are two genders and that's it. How can there? Be, but these people
0: profess that there is no there is no such thing as two genders, but then they claim to be bisexual. Yeah,
1: I know, but they're dumb. But by the 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 prefix "by" means two means dos, <laughs> right? Or in German, since we're using the "er" and "z's" and the "ers," it's "zwei." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Gray Demi by, you know, while I was watching this little video, uh-huh. the, the only thing I kept thinking of was what happened to this child when she was being raised
1: during her childhood? What was her childhood like? I, I don't know if I can actually agree that that's part of the issue anymore. Why, there was why a, not? There was a time where I used to say, where the hell are these kids' parents? But honestly, our our societal influence, and I do blame our schools heavily for this crap i see so much of this coming out of our collegiate institutions which filters down i'm sorry to say but it does filter down into our high schools middle schools junior highs and elementary school even where this is actually acceptable discussion and acceptable practice Uh, there's a lot of parents out there going what the hell is wrong with the schools and why don't i have any other option Look at
0: myself. this. L- look at this one. I want to show you uh, this video. Can you see this when I'm sharing oh, God. That? Yeah, I can see it. Okay. Um, I, I want to show you this other one because this was a little odd as well. Here it is
3: the obesity epidemic isn't real and it shouldn't be an anti-capitalist talking point when someone unironically references the obesity epidemic or even uses the word obesity it tells me they really don't know what they're talking about when it comes to fatness this use of the word obesity stems directly from the bmi which was created by a eugenicist with no medical training who based the scale only on white bodies and cow math
0: i had to pause there for a minute because i really want to know what cow math is
1: like oh good god uh, <laughs> your face was frozen and for a minute i thought oh my god you i lost the scream no i i was frozen i i had cognitive dissonance actually what? take over my physical abilities what, um, what is cow math now yeah here's what, the thing Well, no i, I love that she contrasted the word obesity to fatness <laughs> props for that by the way that was awesome
0: props for that that's that's pretty pro right there. Right. Fat fatness, I loved it. I loved yep. that part. Fatness is appropriate. Cowmath is not. I you know, here's the thing. I'm not playing these videos for people to make fun of these two individuals. No. I'm really seriously concerned about them.
1: Well, I and, I, I'm, and, I, I, I am, but I'm not. I, I'm so, I, I know. I, I'm sorry. I, Go ahead. I, I
0: can't help it. I can't help but think that these are two people who desperately need something they they need somebody to care about them
1: agreed i I don't think
0: i i don't i don't believe that they have anybody who cares about them as an individual like truly care for them and that that bothers me maybe i shouldn't be bothered by it but i am but here
1: let me no 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 hold on no 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 no, no, no. i've gotta i've gotta stop you on that Sorry. I do believe that these people have other individuals in this world who do care for them as individuals greatly. I believe that we as a society have forced an idea upon each of them that without a cause, they don't matter. They must take up a cause for their voice to be heard by the masses. And we keep giving them platforms to try and do that.
0: Do, they, do you Do you really think that somebody cares for them? I mean, you know, I've watched those things. I've watched those those documentaries about people who are, they're 800 pounds or whatever, right? They're 500 pounds. Um, and every single one of those people, they're so obese. They're, they're so morbidly obese that some of them can no longer get out of their bed. They've never been out of their house in the, like five years. Um, and... And they do have somebody who cares for them. They have somebody who goes to the store, buys food, comes home, cooks it, and feeds it to them. And while we would say, yes, somebody cares for them, those people are actively contributing to those individuals' death and destruction. And I wonder if these two ladies have similar situations where they have somebody who cares for them, but they have somebody who doesn't who's not helping them through whatever they're going through.
1: Now, that is a statement I can absolutely agree with. I can absolutely agree with that. And, you know, I I talked to you before about my um, acceptance of who I am as an individual and that I appreciate that I am honest with people up front and all the time. And I tell them exactly how I feel. And I understand that 90% of the time that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. And if and I'm going to use this gal that you're showing right here as an example, if I was somebody that truly cared for this person, I would have I would be out of love. <laughs> I would say, "Dear, you can call it obesity, you can call it fatness or whatever, but you need physical training. We need to get your diet in shape." and we need to get your body in shape before your habits overtake you as a person and put you in mortal danger. Yeah, And this poison that you're putting in your head to justify what's going on with you is not helping you. It's contributing to your inevitable mortality let me finish playing her video here and i won't stop it at cow math
0: although i really really want to know what cow math is but here's the rest of the video yes
3: This use of the word obesity stems directly from the BMI, which was created by a eugenicist with no medical training who based the scale only on white bodies and cow math. Fatness is not an epidemic. Fat people existed before capitalism and before colonization. Fat phobia is a direct result of anti-blackness and it has deadly consequences for many groups of indigenous folks and other people of color, as well as fat folks. When you make the obesity epidemic a real symptom of capitalism, you are not only ostracizing fat people from anti-capitalist thinking, but also actively ignoring that the health outcomes related to obesity are more accurately attributed to food deserts and fatphobic discrimination in healthcare. The obesity epidemic was created by Western medicine to avoid addressing the actual causes of health inequity, which is what we as anti-capitalists should be doing.
0: she's going to die of
1: diabetes and heart disease in a in a food desert what the heck is that What? You, oh you've never
0: heard of the term a food desert
1: no <laughs> no yeah oh yeah that, that came out a few years back food- i thought she pronounced it wrong i thought she meant no. dessert and i was like no. okay i didn't get lost <laughs> in a dessert i could see that <laughs> No, a food
0: desert are these new finagled things that exist in inner cities where you have people living in the inner city and there is no grocery store for, you know, five or six miles. And if they don't have a vehicle, they can't get to the grocery store to buy good food. So then they are relegated to buying Jack in the Box and McDonald's or whatever is, uh, within walking distance of their homes. So that would be a, a place in the inner city with no grocery store would be considered a food desert.
1: Oh, yeah. I guess that's because I don't live in a urban area where that is a potential problem.
0: But most cities will still have like little bodegas where it's a little, uh little corner store where mm-hmm. you can get, you know, groceries, groceries, you know, not as big as like Fry's or Albertson's or something like that, but a little right. corner grocery store. Wow. Um, so, I mean, we could we could talk about these two. TikTokers. Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know. Um, we could talk about these two for, for forever. But I want to pull this back to the topic of, of temperance okay. and, and self-discipline.
1: Yes. Um, Pull it on back, boss. I'm all ears.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And and I think that there's, I, I think there's a part of, I think this is, this is an overreaction to our society and the way our society has been set up, and I, I think there have been people within our society, and this is totally me hypothesizing here. I, I'm I have nothing to back this up. This is just my thinking about all of this. I, I but I think that there have been years where, and I'm going to pick on men for it for a minute because it's easy because I I know about men because I am one. <laughs>
1: okay no hey so much <laughs> it's like oh you better qualify that statement real quick <laughs> well,
0: i can't i can't speak to the to the you know the, the woman experience i can only speak to the male experience um shut up <laughs> i didn't say anything you I, didn't need no, to no i'm letting you dig your own hole here boss <laughs> yeah. so i'm gonna i'm gonna pick on guys for a minute i right. i think i think um men, I think young men when they're in high school and college, I think they're, I think they're really dumb. I think they're idiots. Uh, I think not all of them. I wouldn't Why say does that,
1: what makes you think that stops after college? No, well, hold on. Bear with me here. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. Right. Go ahead. So,
0: so we've got, we've got young men who are, who are pretty much idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're at the, the most difficult time in their life. I'm going to be perfectly honest because they're at their sexual height at that period of their, of their life. And I think that there are a lot of men who make extremely bad, bad decisions when they're between the ages of 15 to 29, 30 years old um, that they make. And yeah, you're agreeing with me. Well, yeah. And I think a majority of people would probably say the same thing. Yeah. the, The vast majority of men make completely stupid mistakes, decisions when they're that young um, and unfortunately, and sadly, there are a lot of women, young women who are involved in relationships with these guys, with these men that get hurt along the way. I'm not saying they're, I'm not saying every single one of them is raped, but they get hurt emotionally, psychologically. It could be physically,
1: God forbid, but whatever. We know that that does happen. Why are you looking uh, I No, I was I'm agreeing with you and men making dumb decisions, but mo, um, I don't under, I understand that people can get hurt along the way just because guys are dumb, but you're taking it to a, a, a relationship standpoint. Yes, I am taking it to okay. a relationship
0: standpoint because I think men, when you're 18, 19 years of age, you don't know how to be in a relationship with anybody. Sure. Other than a buddy. And so when you have, when you have a 19 year old guy who's at the height of his sexual peak, who basically wants to hump anything and everything that comes along, that's, that's a recipe for getting into a bad relationship and hurting anybody else that you get into that sexual relationship with there. Now, now because of all of this, and again i think this stems from the fact that we don't have within our society a way to bring men through this phase of maturing into into manhood and and i think what we're seeing here is a is an overreaction to what is perceived as toxic masculinity as one piece of that and i don't think that I don't think that's, I don't think men are 100% to blame. I think there are a lot of things that women are, are, are to blame for as well in all of this craziness. But again, at, when I started this, I said, let me just pick on guys for a minute and speak to it from the male experience. So I think we've created the situation. Now that we're older, you and I have lived through high school years. We've lived through our early 20s. We know this. You and I both made tons of terrible decisions when we were young and stupid and naive and all of this kinds of things. And, and I think these two young women, I think they are an example of a society or a group of people at least that are sort of saying, I don't want any part of that crazy part of society. So I'm gonna go do something different. And, but in their in their process of doing something different, We now have a portion of society, the people that they are surrounded by, namely like their teachers, for example, who are now saying, oh, what you're doing is okay. And so their reaction is an overreaction. Their reaction is not rooted in um, rational thinking or rational behavior. So they're being just as irrational as other elements of society have been. And now, but yet they're in a position where their teachers, educators, people around them are supporting them and saying, and blessing it saying it's good that you're doing this, which is just causing that pendulum to swing vastly back and quickly back to this other side of the spectrum, which is just as crazy. So I'm going to stop there. Go.
1: I'm not sure I can digest everything you just said, but, but I'll try because that's my job. Um, okay so yes do guys make dumb decisions at between 15 and 30 yeah do women make dumb decisions in the same spot yeah absolutely um so i'm not i'm not um i'm not down with the narrative necessarily that these women are biting back against some sort of toxic masculinity um i think and we'll just play the or take for example the gal who was talking about obesity being cow math um I don't believe that this is some sort of reaction to a bad relationship and she is now out like a woman scorned. I do believe that she is, to your point, surrounded by um, educated individuals or at least ones that propel themselves to be such and who are giving her very specific talking points to which she's actually gobbled up and are now regurgitating like a very good tape recorder. Much like I'm sure there's a lot of people just like her doing that. And I do believe that those are more likely to come from positions of authority like teachers, counselors, um, community organizers, etc. Those types of individuals who actually spout this kind of stuff off and those become regurgitated. So, and I do believe that that is to your point, I guess a pendulum swing of society, but I look at it more of not necessarily a a masculinity femininity swing so much as this idea of uh, oppression versus open acceptance to anything, you know, and I've had this argument before. That was my,
0: exactly my point. I wasn't trying to pick on masculinity and say that they were, they were victims of masculinity. I was trying to use that as an example that says, here's a, here's a part of society Mm -hmm. that is crazy on its own merit. The crazy in and of itself, these are individuals looking at it, thinking, God, that's crazy. Can I not be a part of that? Mm -hmm. But there are also other things that are just as crazy in society, and they're standing there going, Well, I don't want to look at that and I don't want to be part of that, and I don't want to be part of that, and I don't want to be part of that. So I'm gonna go off and create my own thing, and they're being just as crazy. Yes. And yet we have people around them that are saying, You're not crazy. You're okay. Mm-hmm. You're a right. nice little flower, and the rest of society is looking at them, saying, "No, you actually are crazy." And yeah. we admit young men are crazy, young women are crazy. A lot of areas of our society are 100% nutbags, and you can't, be, you cannot fight the nutbagginess of society by also becoming a nutbag yourself. Correct, but
1: we don't have enough. Jason's being assholes and truthful out there to basically say, "Hey, idiots! You can't fight idiocy with more idiocy. Stop it!" Correct. And that's that's been my argument against political correctness from the start because it does it creates just it creates further degree of um, amicability to whatever new rules are out there. It's the same thing with all of the gender identity BS it's this, all of this stuff it's 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 all stemmed from this idea of everything is okay when then we're going to get to a point where nothing is and and
0: my whole reason of bringing this trying to bring this back to, to the idea of temperance and self-discipline imagine a world if you will where where people young adults um, in, in as early as junior high if they were slowly being taught the virtues of self-discipline, and they were being taught how to self-discipline, um, and and they were practicing that um, as they were maturing and developing that self-discipline. The world would look a lot different, you know. There were there were you know founding fathers of this nation, but a lot of other types of philosophers have have said that you know a moral foundation is 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 extremely important for a free and functioning society. What they mean by that is not just people that are, you know, happening to walk down the street acting moral. That's pretty easy to do. All you have to do is just mind your business while you're walking down the street and you're not going to be doing that immorally. Yeah. Essentially and, don't kill each
1: other. You Exactly.
0: <laughs> but but to be a moral society means that you actually do that self-reflection. You are in control. You you do take the time to practice that self-discipline. But w- our society has completely rebelled against the idea of of moral um, virtue, and we've done that because we just you know going back to the to the fifties, right after World War II, we've basically said all of this concept about religion, throw it away. Mm-hmm. but in so throwing it away we've thrown away all of those moral foundations and those moral virtues and we're no longer practicing that self-discipline that our our religious foundation um demands of us right and so and so we have now created a created a society where you don't have to be self-disciplined it's okay to embrace your fatness because you're going to come up with some crazy notion that obesity is just um, a concept. And she kept doing this, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the obesity Mm -hmm. epidemic. No, there actually, there is a bad, you know, there, there comes a point where you're, you're just fat and you are unhealthy. And if you continue, you're going to die. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So we, we've abandoned, she's obviously, she's not embracing any kind of self-discipline. No. No, and no, no she just keeps eating I mean granted her video is not of her eating but you and I both know that at the end of the day she's probably chowing down on whatever she is saying there's no such thing as an epidemic there's no obesity epidemic meanwhile in another three years she's going to be pop positive for uh for diabetes
1: diabetes yeah most likely well and and that's In the meantime, instead of actually focusing her energies on that, she's talking about her anti-capitalist idea. And so you were talking about morals. And and so I want to bring this back because we have rejected religion as a country, it seems like almost anymore, Mm. as a society. Let's say it that way. Society, yeah. And so, yes, you throw out the baby with the bathwater, which all those morals that, that were founded in that religious foundation go out with it. Mm-hmm. Well, so the family, and usually uh, from the maternal grandmother side all the way down, starts to filter in this, those family morals. That's where we get some of our morals and our, our values and principles are from the familial unit. Well, when that's becoming a problem, as it is now, now you see the attack on the family unit as well. Because until all of those devices where we as a society take those moral foundations from have been completely eradicated, until that happens, then we won't have any reason to look to the overarching government to get those rules and foundations for our lives. And that's ultimately what I feel the, the goal of this is. But to follow your, your path on temperance, if we actually as, a, as an individual within the greater societal unit take the time to look at what our morals and principles and our values are. Only by doing that are you going to be able to find the boundary line of your conduct, which is what temperance looks at. How far outside of ourselves do we actually play? This is the little sandbox that we have around ourselves that we can play in and we don't go outside of. And that involves not only you know, attacking your neighbor because of what they're doing, acting, saying, or whatnot, but also, where is the boundary line that you don't impose on someone else? And this is the part that that infuriates me about some situations like this. And we'll take the first example that you play. This gal lays out 90 different labels that she wants to be known as. If that's what you want for you, fine. But you're not laying that out for you. You are laying out all of these labels and identifiers and qualifiers and pronouns and everything else for everyone else and making it their responsibility to impose and utilize those terms for you. How is anybody supposed, that is way beyond your own self. If you can actually bottle all that up and compartmentalize it for yourself and keep yourself thus circumscribed, you can actually further yourself. And you know what? More power to you. But when you make yourself just part of society's problem, that's that's a complete abandonment of self-responsibility. And there's the biggest, I think, key in actually trying to figure out where you fit in that own self-discipline that you're talking about is a responsibility for your own involvement in that.
0: You know, I I can't even, there was a time probably not too long ago where I would have said, if you want to be all of those labels, fine, knock yourself out. I can't, in good conscience, be that way anymore. And and, and I'm not I'm not advocating that stormtroopers invade her home and throw her in cuffs and take her to jail. On the contrary, um, I I think somebody needs to needs to have some honest conversations with these with these two young ladies and say, you know what? There's something not right in your head. Mm-hmm. Now. I guarantee you though that they're in a position where they've been coddled for so long by somebody who has who has told them it's okay to feel these things that they are now in a situation where if you or I were to say no you, these are not these are abnormal that these are not this is not the this is not the normal behavior of a well adjusted young adult and you really need to see a counselor. You really need to see somebody because there is some underlying psychological, emotional issue that you're struggling with. And it's, it's manifesting
1: yeah.
0: in craziness is what it is. It's manifesting. So I, I'm sort of beyond that point of just saying, well, if you want to be a, a, a low demi sexualist or whatever it was, I don't even know what she came up with. If you want to be one of these, some of these crazy things, just go ahead and be that. If I had a family member that wants to do that, my my response has to be, you're not, you're not normal, that there's, there's a concern here. Um, And you have to do that in a way where you have to, uh, the other person has to at least understand, look, I still care about you. Yeah. I still love you, but there's something not right with the way that you're acting.
1: That's not normal behavior. If that was my sister, cousin, aunt, I, I, I don't care, friend, and she told me that she was all of that, I would say, so you're just a promiscuous lady. You, What are you seeking? You, it sounds like you are seeking some sort of personal gratification and you have a psychological or emotional void in your life. Have you talked to somebody about that? You should.
0: Well, I think that, I think that first woman, I think that first young lady, I think she's looking for validation. Why else do you go on the internet, make a video of yourself Mm -hmm. saying all of the things that she did, unless you're asking for the validation of strangers,
1: right? Well, she's obviously she's seeking the validation of strangers. She's openly admitting she's pretty much open to having intercourse with anything or anyone.
0: Right. And she'd said that she's open for
1: questions well Um, she said she's open for questions but she said she was um not gay but bisexual and not and not what the what was the not non-monogamous non-monogamous yeah i mean she's pretty much open to whatever i'm like you are looking for love in all the wrong places yeah so talk to a counselor (laughs) but you you know that there is
0: there is evidence that shows that there are very specific masculine and feminine roles in human beings Um, and and especially when we look at societies that have much more leisure time and when they're not only high leisure times but also societies that are high in equality so the 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 more equality That there is in the sexes there are societies particularly in western Europe where the populations have have reverted to more um, masculine and feminine role types for men
1: and women so the traditional gender role the traditional
0: gender roles so in countries where equality between the sexes is that as at an all-time high and where there's very little difference in anything in terms in public life and, and between men and women, that and there's high levels of leisure, meaning, I mean, this is the utopian outlook that a lot of, a lot of leftists and, and, and postmodernists strive for. They feel like, well, if we had more leisure and we had more equality, then women would be free to do whatever they want to do. They'd be free to create a rocket ship like Elon Musk and launch a car into space. If they so wanted to, they'll, they'll, they'll shoot for the stars and men, they'll shoot for all of those. They'll become ballerinas and all this kind of, right. And all this gender bending would occur. And what we find in these societies is is the exact opposite. The women, they have high leisure, high equality. And what do they want? They want to have children and be stay at home and take care of their families, right? And and the men and and more and the men they want to do more masculine type of roles like take care of their families, work hard, um, not be ballerinas, right? But you they know, take actually, on the
1: provider archetype.
0: They take they take on the provider archetype, um, and so that's that's very compelling because what that says is that. You, when even when you have the freedom to be anything you want to be, that the human animal still says, "You know what? I find solace in being the thing that I was built to be." And, and I think I think some of these I think some of these these women maybe not necessarily these two but maybe these two are fearing maybe they feel a draw there, and they fear it. And so their fear is to completely do a 180 and try to get away from that as much as possible, because if they don't, they'll somehow lose their feminist card.
1: Yep. Well, and and their feminist card there, well, I'll just call it an activist card.
0: Sure. Their activist card. That's probably because a better
1: way of saying it. Yeah. Without a cause, what do they have? Right. And, and this is... Uh, something I've said for a lot of a lot of people who are out fighting for whatever cause and God love you if you have a cause that you believe in fight for it absolutely what is your life without it and and that's I'm not trying to um, take away from whatever um, whatever cause has you out there or take away from your argument but what is your life without it because if you don't have a a if you don't have a fulfilling life without it, uh, oh, I'm trying to think, okay, I'm going to quote a movie just because movie quotes everybody gets. There was cheesy movie, uh, Cool Runnings. You remember when John Candy's oh, yeah. talking about, you know, um, Dimitri asked him, you know, you had gold medals, you had it all. And he says, you know, a gold medal is a wonderful thing. But if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it and for a lot of these people out there the activists as a whole without their cause they have no purpose and meaning and fulfillment in their life and that's that's why no matter what happens you were just talking about this equality idea over in western or eastern europe excuse me where this should be very compelling it should but it's not because if that actually made sense to people out there marching in the streets for these causes they would say well if that's the case then no then i need to, re- to re- revisit this and course correct but the reality is that without that they have to actually look inside and see what's causing them to actually be so pissed off that the only thing they have is to march regurgitating the talking points that they've been fed up to this point and that causes a lot of personal pain to actually internalize, look at that. Did I really just gobble this up without thinking about it? And do I need to course correct or do I just double down? That's easy. No, nope, you're just a denier. I'm going to go on and, and, and I'll call you a couple names along the way and I'm going to march and shout louder. And that's what inevitably happens. So how does all this tie back to temperance? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think um, you know. All right. So what I was just talking about—if you actually believe in something, let's t- let's take a—you uh, uh, know—we're not going to talk about we're. It's not obesity; it's fatness, and it's uh, based on cow math. All right. Well, if you really believe that, and you do want to correct that, then. Take what you have, investigate it, and then try and raise awareness around it, but understand who you are within it and how can you effectively change it. And that's where I say, all right, for all these people out here on TikTok and Twitter and all, you're just virtue signaling. You're just out there yelling and screaming. You're not actually changing anything. So what are you trying to accomplish? Because if you're actually really trying to address the problem, then you're not actually doing that with what you're doing. Show me that this actually is something worth looking at and actionable. Take that internal and fix it within yourself. Become an example. Take ownership within your own life and then move to educate the people around you and build up from that. At least that's my thought.
0: The, the the thing that I think that my mind keeps going back to are the people that say that they're not religious, they're spiritual okay which for me is just a um, it's an excuse to do anything that they want to be able to do as long as they they take f- five minutes a year and rub their crystal. So you know if, if you are a practicing, whether it's practicing Muslim, practicing uh, um, Jew, practicing Christian, there's a lot of work that comes with that. Mm-hmm. To, to really embrace that, to really be that, there's a lot of work. It's, it's the same as if you're an athlete. Sure. If you, if you want to be the best athlete that you can be, then you have to work hard at that, at that in order to be successful. And even if you want to become another, maybe you want to become the next astronaut for crying out loud. You want to become an astronaut and you want to have a chance to go to Mars, for example, and then, and then within the next 20, 30 years or whatever time frame it is, then there's a lot of hard work that has to be done to put yourself in a position to be one of those top people that's that could potentially go to Mars, right? So whatever you're calling, there's still a lot of discipline that you have to uh, instill upon yourself in order to be good at that thing. And I don't see a lot of self-discipline. I don't see a lot of temperance happening in the world. I see a lot of people who are willing to um, to just live in the moment. There are a lot of, um, you know what, there are. quite frankly, I'm going to pick on guys again. There are a lot of men who, who literally want to live in the moment. They want to drink that, drink another beer. They want to bang another chick. They want to uh, spend their latest paycheck um, because, well, they just want to live in the moment. They're thinking completely entirely of themselves. They're entirely narcissistic.
1: Well, and that's that's instinctual almost. And back to your point about that time where we're at the peak of our sexuality, and at any other creature out there, and any other animal, um, that's the time for reproduction. And there is that. We as human beings, and we try to elevate ourselves above outside of the the gorilla kingdom. Um, temperance or self discipline is really, I guess, trying to. St- stave the tide back on controlling those instincts or that that instinctual impulse with rational thought and governance and i think that that's that's something where we aren't taught anymore to actually control our own behavior and we aren't taught to actually internalize and look at why we feel a certain way about anything Versus just, well, if you feel it, then it must be right. So go tell everyone about it. And you flip this around. I mean, we say, well, if you feel it and if you think it and you believe it, you have a right to say it, right? That's kind of the the standard credo for everyone out there. Well, if, if I really felt that there were only two sexes and if you... I don't care what you self-identify as and if you're, you're a dude, you're a dude and you're a girl, you're a girl and everybody, then that's it and shut the heck up and that's all there is to it. If I actually grabbed a megaphone and went marching down the street just because that's what I feel, well, everybody would, that's that's deplorable. Everybody would say so. You know, granted, there might be a handful of people going, yeah, dude, it's about time somebody did that. But that's not an exercise of self-discipline either.
0: No, it's, it's not an exercise in self-discipline. Um, and I, I understand the whole point of trying to go against the, the wiring that, you know, is the animal within us. And that's the whole point. That is why you do that self-discipline because every time you go out there and you make a decision. Whether, you know, if, if you're a young man who's like, you know what, I'm just going to have some more beer with my buddies, or you know what, I'm just going to bang that next chick because that's what I want. Almost every single one of those scenarios, you're involving another human being in the process. You're involving somebody and you might think, well, I'm not, I'm just having another beer. How am I involving somebody else? Well, because you're potentially, uh, you have somebody at home who's waiting for you.
1: Or you're getting behind the wheel of a car. Or, or worse, and, you're getting behind the wheel of a car.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so every time we make these terrible decisions, every time that we, every time there's an opportunity for self-discipline, we have to think, we should be thinking about the fact that, you know, our decisions impact other people. And even if you do something that causes self-harm, There are people who care about you and that would be, and what are you doing to them now that you've destroyed your life in the process? I'm not talking about accidents. Accidents happen, but I'm talking about, I'm talking about people who willingly make narcissistic decisions because let's face it, when we're talking about self-discipline, we're really talking about becoming not narcissists, right? I mean, that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to curb those appetites, those sexual appetites, those uh, those appetites for the cookies and the beer and the alcohol, whatever they may be, we're trying to curb those appetites. We have to understand that there are people on the other end of those decisions. There are people around us that we interact with. There are people that we can, you know, are there? For example, there are women who get raped, and there are women who get raped by men who just want to go out there and bang another chick, and they're looking at what's just in it for them. They're not practicing self-discipline. We need more self-discipline in, in, our, in our society. We need to stop normalizing this concept of just uh, doing anything and everything that you want and, and be damned.
1: Yep. Well, and, and something that I asked you early on, is we have a severe lack of self-discipline and I believe that's because we don't have any responsibility for the consequences of the actions in that they may have. So you, you talk about all these other people who could be adversely affected by selfish behavior.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I don't believe that most of the people out there have any concept of other people anymore. And I I guess back to my question, why, why do I need self-discipline? There are no consequences and no personal responsibility. I'm not held accountable for any of that anymore. Unless I actually kill or rape somebody. Right, right, right.
0: Well, there are a lot of benefits from, from developing, or at least I believe there are a lot of benefits for developing a self, you know, personal self-discipline. I mean, um, Simplifying one's life, for starters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you simplify your life down, you remove a lot of stressors from your life. There's a lot of less thing. There's there are less things to worry about. You know, you, you have men, for example, who go out and and they want to go um, have some more beer with their you know with their friends and they go out and drink and they they go drinking. Um, well, if they simplify, if they maintain self discipline. Now they have more money in their bank account. They're not drinking it all the way. They don't have to worry about, you know, what are they going to tell their wives or their girlfriends when they get home? They don't have to worry about lying to their kids about their behavior. For example, they don't have to worry about, am I going to lose my job because I overslept for the 20th time and now I'm going to, I'm running late to work the next day because I'm hung over. They don't have to worry about getting pulled over for a DUI. You know, when you, when you, when you practice self-discipline, there are, there are, there are a lot of things that stem from that moment of, no, I'm not going to do that right now. When you make that decision and, and uh, let's face it, a lot of what we say is self-discipline is, is, is really involving doing the right thing now and not waiting to do the right thing, whether the right thing might be, um, you know, going to practice because you're an athlete. Or maybe the right thing is simply, I'm not going to drink today. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, or, you know, I'm going to have one beer. There's nothing, you know, I I think a lot of people can say, yeah, there's nothing wrong with having one beer. There's, there's probably a lot of wrong uh, if you're going to have um, one bottle of vodka, right? There's, there's, so there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of difference there, right? Mm -hmm. But when you, when you practice that self-discipline, you simplify your life you make, you make, you're making better decisions. So you're reducing a lot of the stress that's in your life In the process of doing that. Um, You're, you're eliminating a lot of that worry and, and it's, and it can become that never ending cycle, right? When you, you're making bad decisions, which lead to that worry, which leads you to make worse decisions, which leads to extra worry. So I, I think there's a lot of benefit from from self-discipline.
1: Well, and I, I see a lot of this actually in in work applications. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know everybody is always busy. Everybody, I I don't know one person who works who feels like they don't have enough to do. <laughs> right. But but there's always those tasks, whether it's a, a report that you have to write, whether it's um something that's due for someone else or just a task you don't want to do. Um, you always put that off and you say, well, I'll get to that when when I can or whatever. And what inevitably happens almost every time, just about the time where you don't have any more time to put it off and you sit down to start doing it, something else inevitably comes up and you don't get to it. Or you now you're cramming and you're trying to do two or three things at once. Where... If when you had that report that was due, that task that you didn't want to get done or whatever it may be, come across your desk. You say, all right, I know I don't want to do it, but I need to accomplish this now and put my effort into it now. And, And actually get that done, you'll find that you're actually free of it and liberated from that a heck of a lot quicker because it's over and you can put it behind you. Whereas if you continually procrastinated, that will that can stay with you for well, basically all the way up until the eleventh hour, and it inadvertently affects all of your other functions that you're doing at your job. And for some people, if you actually if you're fortunate enough to leave work at work, but if you're like most, um, even the thought or the idea of having to get that done that you didn't want to will follow you home. And you'll end up either talking about it or thinking about it or bringing it back up. And then that's, you're not paying attention to something your spouse was trying to tell you on and like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, absolutely. I was totally listening to you the whole time. Um, so by actually disciplining yourself to be punctual in your job and your performance and your timeliness, I know that that might sound frivolous, but really when you are when you can do that, it does allow you more attention and quality attention to the other things in your life. That's not work as well. And that's very liberating.
0: Yeah. I'll use, I'll use minimalism as an example, since I've been practicing that for, for a few years now. Um, you know, I've talked about on the show previously that in the process of eliminating things from my life, that it's very psychologically freeing that there's, um, there's a, there's a big weight that lifts from your mind. When you throw crap out, when you recognize it as crap and you get rid of it. Uh, there's also a sense of accomplishment of being able to do that, of saying, I'm going to get rid of all of this stuff. But at the same time, that, that, um, that sense of liberation stays with you because the, the fewer things that, that you possess, there's less worry about it. Um, you know there's there's a um, there's a, uh, a stoic philosophy i guess or a stoic action called premeditatio malorum and i've mentioned this previously on the show before and you looked at me like i was a crazy person for doing it but premeditatio premeditatio malorum is this is this practice that stoics do where they they try to envision the very worst possible things ever happening in their lives as actually happening and how they would react to it. But there's a sense of freedom that comes from that one, it helps you to be a little bit more self-disciplined, but it also helps you to prepare for those types of eventualities. Um, should they ever occur, you hope that they don't occur, uh, but should they ever occur, you've at least practiced it in your mind of how you would react and how you would respond. Um, but when you when you get rid of things, when you are practicing that self-discipline, um, that, that, that sense of thinking about how you would respond in certain things or how you would take care of things becomes much simpler to do. So for example, in, if you chuck a lot of your belongings and you just don't have a lot of stuff around anymore, well, you 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 quickly realize, well, I don't have to worry about it anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't have to, I don't have to think, well, I don't have to get stressed out. Well, what happens if my, if my house catches on fire and burns to the ground? There are people that would be literally distraught if their house burnt burnt down, burnt to the ground. Um, and for me, the only things that I care about are that the living entities get out alive. That's it. That's all I really care about. Anything else is replaceable. All the pictures, even the pictures that you see behind me, they're all digital. I can reprint them. <laughs> uh, and you know, so, I, so it doesn't it doesn't matter. Even the computer that I'm recording on, everything that I have is in the cloud. I just buy a new computer and I'm good to go. I just connect it back to the cloud and I'm done. Right, everything. There's nothing. There's nothing to worry about, or, or there's little, fewer things to actually worry about. And then when you practice that pre, med, pre meditatio malorum, you start realizing, oh, there's ways I can deal with it. E- easier to to come by. So I think through that. But even pre meditatio malorum, which is Latin, that that activity of reflecting on what happens if my computer crashes, what happens if my dog were to die. What happens if my loved one were to die tomorrow? What would I do in those situations? How would I respond? You start to realize that that in and of itself is a form of self-discipline. You have to face the maker, but you face the maker now so that you're prepared for it later. Um, And, and that even that type of self-discipline makes, makes your world less stressful and much more manageable. And you start realizing I can actually manage it. I actually know what I'm going to do in certain situations and I don't have to worry about it anymore.
1: Well, I'm probably not going to do that quite yet, at least not me, but I (laughs) know for me, I'm, I am practicing on, um, I'm not going to be the best at scheduling my time. That is going to be a constant struggle for me until the day I die. I'll probably have my own death on the calendar and miss it by a day or two. I just know I will. Um, I'm terrible with that. But I, I know where, where one of my shortcomings is, is I, I'm emotionally reactive. And I recognize that about myself. So that's something I'm always trying to be more self-conscious of. I don't think that I'm ever going to change that completely But at least being more aware of it allows me an opportunity to practice self-discipline quite a bit. And, you know, I look at at when I hear something I really don't like, it's, it's easy for people to get angry and upset and vocalize that frustration and anger. And anger and rage is not in any way... Um, controlling yourself actually that's demonstrating that you have lost control and given it up to someone else or something else. And I don't like relinquishing freedom ever. <laughs> so I don't like opportunities where I'm emotionally driven to anger by other people or other situations because that's that's an overwhelming sense of weakness and vulnerability for me. So I'm constantly working on that, and that that happens. I mean, every day there's, there's some sort of frustration, whether it's at work or at home and really trying to reel in that knee jerk reaction allows me to govern my own instinct and refocus how I want to approach that, um, based on what I want to be in the situation. So as a coworker at work or an employee at work, how do I want to be perceived? Do I want to be open to new situations and and be approachable? And somebody that can work within a team, even when this, the situation is stressful or um, maybe not ideal, that's how I want to be. So that's where I need to curtail that it, there. At home, it's very different. You know, I don't want my my kids to be around an angry father who just gets you know freaked out at the drop of a hat, and I don't want to lose my mind over spilled milk and food on the floor, um, and those are areas where I have to work on my own self governance. But when you look at uh, like, well, your your TikTok ladies, you know, I don't see any of them actually demonstrating any sense of self control when they're literally screaming at a phone that they're recording themselves on, and over what? So. I think there's always, there's opportunity for everyone out there to exhibit a little bit of self-discipline. And I think by doing that, that actually helps I, the individual develop and our society ultimately develop together.
0: Well said. Well said. All right. Well, I think we carried this one on long enough. All right. Um, it was a fun one. Yeah. I liked it. It was good. Um, Yeah. So you can catch all of our, remember, you can catch all of our stuff off of our website at fusionunderground.net. Uh, we're on Twitter at the FU Brothers YouTube, wherever you get your audio feeds, uh, you can find us, Fusion Underground. Um, we come up. So yeah, so a lot of
1: fun. I, yep. Yeah. And I, I think there was some opportunity for there's some other things to be discussed, or, or maybe we got a little sidetracked or kind of went off and missed a point. So I personally invite everyone out there. If there was something that you thought we were right on the cusp of hitting a big aha moment or as an apostrophe, I will say to quotes me from hook um, we had an apostrophe moment out there. uh, Shoot me an email. Let me know. Yeah. Fusion underground or contact at fusion underground.net
0: for Jason Moret. I'm Manuel Ramirez. You've been listening to the fusion underground. Have a good (laughs) night.
1: Almost, my goodness. Yep, almost made it.
0: And then realized it was still on the sharing the partial screen. Yeah. You might want to stop recording. Oh, I can't even find the button now. It's just (laughs) great.